Hey y'all, this is Mallory Irvin and it's time for all of us to live fully. It's so important in this crazy world of ours that we stay connected, inspired, and motivated to be and do our best. And that's not always easy. I'm here with my guests and friends to share the stories and lessons we've learned to help you live your best life every day and truly begin living fully. Let's make it happen and get started with today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Living Fully. We've got a real exciting episode here today because you guys are actually a part of this episode. Whether you knew it or not, I was writing down your questions, and today I will be answering them. So um, part of doing this podcast was really like putting myself out there in all aspects. I'm telling a lot of stories that I haven't told before. I'm really letting the listeners kind of get to know some of the deeper struggles and and a lot more just about my journey because so many things I've learned from people have been from them sharing their personal journey. So I just vowed whenever I started this podcast, I'm really, I'm going to be that person. And I'm going to let the listener know as much as they want to know about like the things that I've gone through or just about, you know, personal different things that go on in my life because maybe it can help them. So a lot of people ask a lot of these same questions over and over and whether it's on YouTube or Instagram or Facebook, you know, wherever it is. And I thought that that would just make for a great podcast today to go through some of these questions. They're kind of all across the board and kind of answer these questions for you guys today. So thank you to all of you guys who submitted questions and always thank you for interacting with my content and for caring enough even to ask me questions about myself and about my life. That's my greatest joy is being able to be a person in this position that people even care to ask these things about. So let's dive in. One of the questions that I get a lot, which is a a funny question because I'm about to have siblings in my house siblings that I have birthed, not like my own siblings. (laughs) So I think a lot about siblings lately. So I think that's why I kept noticing this question as it kept coming up. So the question was, have you ever dealt with sibling rivalry, either on your part or on your sibling's part, et cetera? So I was the oldest of four children growing up, and I was the oldest of 23 first cousins, like I say all the time, that all grew up on the same farm. So long story short, I was the queen bee (laughs) for a really long time. And it's so funny because I was actually at home for one of my cousin's baby showers. And they were just like, whoo, I hope karma isn't a real thing for your sake. And I was like, why are you saying that? And they said, because when those other kids came along, you did not like it. And you did not welcome them with open arms (laughs) because you were the center of attention all the time and the boss, and you didn't know what these other kids were doing there. So it's really funny, those being my siblings or my cousins who were basically like my siblings. (laughs) So I worry about that, you know, obviously uh, having Ford and then this new baby that I'm about to have in literally a matter of weeks, they're going to be 17 months apart. And that is close. 
And I think maybe I miscalculated when I decided, oh, it's time to have another baby. I really thought it was closer to 18 or 19, but that's new mom brain for you because it was actually a little closer than that. And since it happened right off the bat, here we are 17 months later, <laughs> about to have another baby come into the world. But we're super grateful. And, and I keep hearing A, horror stories, but also mostly a lot of really amazing stories about, yes, it's rough in the beginning because you have two babies. But it's the most amazing thing having siblings, especially siblings that are close together when they get older. So me being one of four siblings and and from a big family, I see the beauty of siblings and I love siblings, which is why we want to have four children-ish. If the Lord gives us four children, we will take them. And I am so grateful, you know, that we've even been able to have children as quickly as we were and to be able to have them close together. So this whole idea of sibling rivalry and bringing a new baby in and stuff, it's really been something that's been on the forefront of my mind. And like I said, something I've been kind of concerned with because while I didn't necessarily deal with much sibling rivalry, my siblings would probably say different. (laughs) I think it's a little easier when you're the oldest one because it's kind of like they're rivaling you and you've kind of already got your ground and you're you know who you are and you were first. So this is mine. (laughs) So I think that, you know, I hear a lot from a lot of different followers and listeners, whether you're a mom of siblings or whether you're a sibling yourself, sibling rivalry can really be something that, yes, is a tough thing to go go through. Like whenever you're fighting with your siblings when you're growing up, whether it's like my sister and I did, the only thing we really fought over was clothes. Is she still, I, I swear, every time we go somewhere, I don't know how she ends up with some of my items of clothing in her bag, but she does manage to do that. It's just sisters. And then my brothers like fought and wrestled like just boys do. So whether, you know, you're dealing with sibling rivalry, kind of like that, or whether you have children that are like total rivals, like they love each other, but they just like fight <laughs> all the time. I think sibling relationships and rivalries can be some of the most amazing first learning tools of how to resolve conflict and of how to stand your ground and of how to get along with someone that's very different from you, but that you need to get along with, because that's going to be a skill that you're going to be able to use in life with your bosses or with your coworkers or with your friends in college or your friends in adult life, like I just recently talked about on podcast. I think that sibling rivalry, if you are rivals, like at times my siblings and I were, and at times Ford and his sibling will probably be, I think it's a really amazing point of growth if you use it that way. So the thing that I've been kind of focusing on and thinking of a lot lately is how will I navigate those waters? Because as a parent, you really, um, you're the person that they're looking to. And if you're just swatting their hand and saying, stop it, love your brother or your sister, whatever it is that's in my stomach right now, and saying like, you can't do that. Or, you know, don't, you can't do that because of this. I'm really trying to approach it in a way of being really intentional about teaching them what a special bond and relationship it is that siblings can have. And, how it's okay to feel that way towards someone and it's okay to fight and it's okay to disagree. But like, here are some things that maybe you can do to to help them through that. And I'm obviously not going to speak to them like I'm speaking to you guys now. It's going to sound a lot different, but just trying to be more intentional instead of being at my wits end and really 
just being frazzled and frustrated and not saying the right thing. So I know that was a long answer to a a short question. I'm glad Kyle's not here because he really likes to tell a lot of my funny personal stories about things that I did to my siblings when I was younger, but I want you guys to see me in a certain light. So I'm not going to share those stories today. (laughs) Okay. So another question, top list of your guilty pleasures specific foods, places, books, shows, beauty, etc. You just want to know anything. Okay. Anything sweet, Gucci bags, home decor, actually, which has really become a pricey thing lately that I didn't really think about until now. And I have a lot of, of guilty pleasures. And at this point in my life, I don't feel bad about having guilty pleasures. I think a lot of times people feel like they can't indulge, they can't enjoy their lives. Well, this is the podcast where I'm all about like living life to the fullest. And part of living life to the fullest is you only live once and indulge in the things that you love. As long as they're not like unhealthy, if it's gambling or if it's drinking too much alcohol or if it's something like that, you know, don't. that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about indulging in you know, if if you have a sweet tooth and it's the weekend and you're like, but I have spring break in three weeks, do you know what you're you're gonna look back on like that ice cream date where you laughed with your friends or you went out with your family and nobody is gonna notice that ice cream that you ate while you're standing there in your swimsuit on spring break. Enjoy your life. Don't miss out on a pool party because you feel like your body's not there. Guilty pleasures are amazing ways to reward yourself if you can. Okay. Another question was, you and your family have been involved in such extraordinary things. Thank you. That's so sweet of you to say. So here's another question. What have you done that scared you? And how have you found the courage to push past boundaries of fear to be so bold? If you have not been scared of things in your life, then you are not (laughs) a person living in this day and age, because fear is something that's always going to come up. It's going to come up in parenthood. It's going to come up in friendships. It's going to come up in relationships. It's going to come up in everything. And being able to deal with and handle fear is something that I'll probably do full podcasts on because I think it's one of the most important skills to develop. And being vulnerable and putting yourself out there in the world is one of the most amazing things that you can bring yourself to do. And if I had to answer that question honestly, you know, I I would honestly probably say this this new content that I'm creating around this podcast, sharing your story with a mass group of people, especially if it's a vulnerable story that's also like embarrassing and messy and so opposite of the person that you felt like you were, it's really tough to put that out there in a public forum especially a public forum where you continue to share that information because once it's out there, it's out there. And it took me a really long time, about two years to be exact, to finally get this podcast rolling. And I think that that is the thing that kind of held me back was it's really easy to touch on something in an Instagram story, but putting the whole story out there and having like 45 minutes of content around it is a totally different thing. And I knew that it was painting me in a totally different light And I knew that people for the rest of their life, any person that listened to these podcasts, when they see me as a person, they're always going to remember those stories and they're always going to remember those things. And the thing that pushed me past it was they're going to remember those stories and they're going to see those things and they're going to realize they're not alone and maybe it can help them through something in their own lives. And that's the reason that I took that leap 
and I continue to take that risk and I share the things that are, are hard for me. As a person that used to be a real perfectionist, whenever I was in high school or college, I would not have shared with you issues that I had in my relationship or with my family or issues that I had with a substance or issues that I had with self-worth or confidence or something like that, because I wouldn't want, I wouldn't have wanted you to see that part of me. And here I am in this podcast, really pushing past those um, boundaries of fear and really trying to, like this person said in this question, be bold and put this out here because I know this is the content that I was meant to put out there because I don't think I would have gone through the things that I went through in my life just to go through them. I think that, that this is part of the reason. So yeah, I would say that that is the answer to that question. And another point in, in this kind of pushing past fear thing, being in a new space, like in this new podcast, and, and even like whenever I decided to do this, quote unquote, influencing, this business of influencing, yeah, there was some fear around, I didn't know what that was going to look like. I didn't know if I could make money doing this. I didn't know if people would accept me doing this. I didn't know if I would even like doing this. But I did know that I didn't like what I was currently doing. And I didn't feel fulfilled and like I was using my gifts and talents currently. So while I did not know what this next phase that I was trying to push past these boundaries to get to, I didn't know what that was going to look like. Pushing past fear for me was knowing what I didn't want it to look like. And I did not want it to look like the grind that I was doing every day and, and the unhappiness and not being fulfilled in the current job that I was in. And you have to do jobs to make money sometimes. I, I nannied and I did makeup and I did all these like odd jobs, but I wasn't all the way fulfilled and I knew that. That's a second kind of part to answer that question. That's, the podcast is definitely the example of where I really pushed through fear and was able to be bold. But I think being bold is also like, pushing through fear when you're not sure what's on the other side. And a way that I could really recommend to you guys just that that I use is just if you don't know what you want, just look at what you don't want. And that can help you take that next step and push past like that next boundary or be bold just that next step. You always hear that all the time, the next right step. But that's a really true statement, taking the next right step. Okay, so a lot of people ask for a general pregnancy update. So I will be delivering this baby in literally a matter of weeks. I have my C-section scheduled in September. This pregnancy has definitely not been the smoothest, but I'm a person that loves being pregnant, and I can't necessarily say that it's been awful. Yes, I have gestational diabetes, pretty severe, and it's been a real challenge, and I really feel for anybody who has gestational diabetes and especially for anyone that lives with it on a daily basis that has type 1 or type 2, because it is such a lifestyle change and such a scary thing. And especially when you have a baby that is also you fear at risk, it's a really scary thing. And everything's been okay and like managed. I've got a lot of specialists that I'm seeing. Anytime you have a high-risk pregnancy, you see um, different types of doctors. You have a lot of ultrasounds and a lot of they call them like those non-stress tests and they really monitor the baby closely. And while all of those things are great, sometimes I'm at the doctor's office for the fourth time in a week and I'm like, are things okay? Because why am I here again? <laughs> because it's a lot of monitoring. It's a lot more work. It's a lot different than just a normal pregnancy. 
I also have had this really severe hip pain. A lot of people think it's sciatica. A lot of people, you know, suspect other things and, and just tell me experiences that they've had. And I actually found a good physical therapist that I started going to. I honestly, I walked into the physical therapist place and no offense to anyone that's a physical therapist at all, because I'm about to say something really nice about you, actually. So I walked in and I was like, ain't no way this is going to help me. Moving my leg in a certain direction, really, a stretch, is going to fix something that I feel like I need surgery for. It hurts so bad. So I went one time to this place in Green Hills, like where I live in Nashville, and my hip was fine for like days. And I literally couldn't even walk on it before that. And I went back in because now I'm doing that two times a week. And I said, you know, I'm not going to lie. I really thought this was going to be something that was like, I really like essential oils. And I like to burn them in my house. And they make me feel good. And they help me. They help my mind. They help my attitude. But like, you know, I don't know how like deep they go. I know that a lot of people are probably listening to it and they're like, no, oils help you at a cellular level. I don't know like all of that lingo or, or anything, but like, it was just funny. I was like, I really thought this was going to be kind of like that. Like you burn them in your house, they make you feel great. But I didn't know that it was going to fix the deep seated problems. <laughs> and he was just like looking at me like, okay, thank you. I've gone to school for many years and like I've worked in this profession. And I, it's, it's pretty amazing to me. I think physical therapy is like one of my new favorite things and it's really helped me out. So That is the pregnancy update that I have for you guys. I will be delivering this baby mid-September and we don't know what it is. And we're so excited. Okay. Another question that is a great question. Someone said, I would love to know how you build up your own self-confidence and any tips you have on how we can work on that. So I want to start this answer by saying, I think there is a really significant difference in self-confidence and self-worth. So self-confidence, I think, is easy to achieve in the short term, especially. You can change your hair color. You can you can really work on some personality traits that you feel like you have or that you need to work on. You can go on a diet and get in good shape. You can buy new clothes. You can really do a lot of things to increase your self-confidence. But I don't think that that is like a long-term fix. And beauty fades and people get resentful and tired and angry and like the all the things that they feel like they worked on in their personality and themselves goes out the window. Self-confidence is a little easier. Self-worth, which is I feel like what people are really wanting to ask about, how, how do you really have that deep self-worth? I think how I build up my own self-worth, which in turn helps me with my self-confidence, is dealing with like old stuff, especially old stories that I hold about myself. So I say about myself all the time, I procrastinate. Like I can't ever finish a task. I move on to the next task. I learned recently, I've got to stop saying that because that is an old lie that I'm holding on to about myself. Look at all the things that I've done, that I've started, that I have finished. And I need to do myself justice and focus on those things and stop carrying around that old dang story. A lot of people, including myself, carry around these old stories. Like, I'm not good in relationships. I'm not good at meeting new friends. Or, you know, I I just can't carry on a conversation. I don't like to go to those events because I just feel like I can't ever talk to anyone. And people don't like me. And whatever old story, I'm the worst one. 
I'm not a good parent or I'm not a good mom because you're comparing yourself to some different version, some perfect version of some mom that you don't even really know what's going on behind closed doors. You have got to, first and foremost, to have deep and good self-worth, you have got to recognize what are those stories, those old stories most of the time that you are telling about yourself, and you have got to actively try and leave those stories behind because they are not serving you. And you have the power to change your life every single day. So if you're carrying around this old story, I procrastinate all the time, okay? A, stop saying that, and then B, do something about it and prove yourself wrong. And whether it's time blocking or whether it's keeping a schedule or whether it's having an accountability coach or whether it's bringing a friend in and saying, I'm really having trouble with this. Can you hold me accountable for this? Whatever it is, like make a move to get out of that. Don't let yourself stay in these ruts for the rest of your life because you only have this life. And those things that you hang on to, they can really crush your self-worth, which then like trickles in, I feel like, into every single aspect of your life. And they affect, like, it's, it's so funny how like me procrastinating or me being scatterbrained or me doing whatever it was that I thought about myself, it would literally like trickle into relationships. It really can affect you more deeply than you think. And, and that's how I build up my own self-confidence and self-worth to answer the question is I do away with those old stories and I look at myself currently. And there are always things that we can work on. There are always things that I can work on. And I look at those things currently and I say, okay, how can I get better at this thing? If you have nothing to get better about, then you are like slowly dying. If you're a perfect person, no, hey, if you're if you're a perfect person, you're delusional. <laughs> but you know, if we all have things that we can really transform our lives with, with with making one simple change. And I really think that, yeah, a powerful thing is dealing with that old stuff, is looking at yourself in the current, looking at the positive things about yourself. Of course, there are things like right now that I would like to change about myself, but I also know there are things that I'm doing really well. And I think that it's really helpful to focus on those things. And then always, always, always surrounding yourself with people that will build you up, not just like flatter you, but truly compliment you and your character and the person that you are, the mother that you are, the things that you're doing right in the world, surrounding yourself with the right people. It's always a way to build your self-confidence. Okay, this is a great one, one that I struggle with, speaking of struggles. Any practices you do to stay mindful at peace and in the moment? If you have followed my content for a while or listened to my podcast, you realize that my mind moves one million miles a minute. It's how I was wired. It's how I've always been. I just said, let go of those limiting beliefs. This is a really real belief. Of, of myself. And it's not necessarily a bad thing because it serves me well sometimes, but staying peaceful in the moment and being mindful is something that I, as a person, have to work on. And I have been through programs and in therapy sessions and with some of the greatest professionals who have taught me like the typical skills, the living a healthier lifestyle by this and meditating and using these types of things and burning lavender in a diffuser when you go to sleep. All of those things are great. And all of those things are helpful. But when you are trying to stay mindful at peace and in the moment, you have to look at yourself as a human being and say, what are the things that I need to stay mindful at peace and in the moment? For me, 
It is time management, first and foremost, because if I have 10 things hanging over my head, I can't just ignore them and lay down and put lavender on my wrists and lay there and feel at peace and at ease. It doesn't matter if I've got the Dalai Lama laying beside me in bed that just helped me with a meditation. I can't, I can't do that. And those things, while they are transformative and they're helpful, I know for me, I also need this component of getting things done. And that's something for me that if I want to be in the moment, I know I have to wake up earlier and I have to take this block of time to respond to these emails and do these things for my job so that I'm able to stay in the moment with Ford when he's awake. And I need to really utilize the times that he goes to sleep in the middle of the day and takes a nap and not lay down when I really want to take a nap, which is a point of contention between me and my OB because she really wants me to stay at rest a bit more and I'm working on that. But, you know, for me, I had to assess myself as a person and realize that in order for me to be at peace, I really have to check those things off the list that are hanging over my head. If you guys remember the episode that I did with Jessica Turner, she talked about this thing that she calls the mental load. And she talks about how a lot of moms and women especially, they carry all the load of the to-dos of their entire family in their mind without even actively thinking about them and how much space that takes up and how much room that takes up and how much it truly like affects us in every aspect of our lives. Like that I've got to sign this child up for camp or my husband has this appointment then, or I've got to pick up the dry cleaning or you know, how do I deal with my child dealing with this bully at school? It can be so many different things, but it's this mental load and all of these things. And and you really have to, or I, myself, if there are things that I can address and that I can take kind of out of that space, I know that I have to do those because I'm a person too, that in the beginning of the day, I have to write everything down. That's a tip that I finally took on that really is helpful for me. So I write everything down that I have to do during the day. I don't write the things that I need to do in six months. I I write down the things that I need to do in that day. But sometimes I see myself writing the same things on my to-do list day after day. And some of these tasks are tasks that would take me 45 minutes. And I write them on my calendar for three weeks in a row. And what I've been really trying to do lately because I'm really trying to be more peaceful, at ease, a lot more relaxed before I have this baby, but I have a lot of things on my plate to finish. I have to check these things off my list because just having them on my list like multiple days in a row is really affecting me and my peace and my well-being and my peace of mind. And it reminds me of this book that my dad actually talked about in one of the podcasts. It's called Eat That Frog. And the whole concept of the book is how you need to tackle those tasks, those tasks that hang over your head, first thing in the morning. You need to just do those things, get them off your plate. So for me, those are the things that help me. And then also being able to turn it off at night, something that I've really been doing lately, trying to get off of my phone at a certain time, trying to like take a bath, really just sit on the couch like with my husband and and really unplug. Those are things that help me also to stay more mindful and at peace. And yeah, I think you really have to assess yourself also because there are a million different tools and there are so many different tools that are at your disposal and at every single one of your disposal. If you feel like you're a person that's kind of in the chaos of life right now, something else that Jessica Turner said is it's always possible to find contentment in the chaos. 
And I think that always remembering that there are times in our lives where there's going to be chaos. When, I know it's not going to be peace and mindfulness whenever I have another baby come into this world it was 17 months apart from the first one. So ch- keeping my expectations in check and then doing everything that I can possibly do to make myself the most at ease and then just accepting it for what it is, that's another thing that I would say that I do for myself. Okay, and another question. This is a great one, and I really get asked a lot about like my personal family and kind of the things that we do together. Um, If you guys have not followed my content for a while, I have, I'm from a really big family that all grew up on the same farm in Kentucky. We have a family business. It's in telecommunications that my dad and my uncles run that they started when we were little. And it's just been this really cool journey with my family. I have a really, really amazing close family. And about 15 years ago, maybe even a little bit more than that. My dad, who is the oldest of his six siblings who started the family business, and he's just kind of like a leader in our family. He started reading all of these articles and books about kids and how if you're not intentional with the way that you pass down values, and if you're not intentional with the ways that you teach kids to manage their money and to seek happiness and all of these different like basic life principles, how you're really doing them an injustice. And a lot of times they are really detached from like those good values that you're modeling for them every day for lack of like a better way to describe it. So my dad decided that we as a family, we're going to come together and have these quarterly retreats where we would meet We would discuss like the things that were going on in our lives. We would discuss everything from like, even when we were younger, how we were managing money, being sharing money, saving money and spending money. We had this really amazing like family advisor that we hired. He was based out of Minneapolis. His name was Nathan Dungan and he's an incredible, incredible guy. He came from the financial sector and then came over into this space of families because he started seeing how in families, like whether they were families of wealth or whether they were families that you know, had a family business and not much wealth or whether they were just a normal, typical run-of-the-mill family, how there were so many things missing in the way that these people were teaching their families about different things. And he made this his career. So we hired him and he would kind of lead up these retreats. And and we had this group called E-Trinity. And we did everything. We talked about how to communicate. We talked about struggles in our lives. We talked about philanthropic endeavors and things that we wanted to do. And we talked about how you link your values to the the way that you spend your time and the way that you spend your money. And we talked a lot about leaving a legacy and what the legacy is that we wanted to leave as individuals within this family, of course, as a family in general, but we were all a group of individuals. And now looking back on it, and, and I see why I get so many questions about it now, because it is a really rare and special thing that we did thanks to my dad and his for thinking. And it's something that I think a lot of my values and a lot of the wisdom that I have today is is from the things that I've learned from my family. And it's really cool because, you know, we grew up on this farm together. We were together all the time, but it was a different thing to like be really intentional and come together and be like, what is the legacy that you're leaving? And for our whole family to literally sit there and listen to like a 
14-year-old kids say what they thought their legacy was going to be. And then, you know, the things that come from that is then your family knows your thoughts and your passions and they support you in those things. Or your family, like in my instance, they see when you're struggling and they support you through those hard times. And they see, you know, the things you're good at and they encourage you in those areas. And really amazing things came from these retreats and continue to come from these retreats. It's harder now to get together because we've got 95 kids being born. It's it's still, though, something that I hold really close to my heart and something that I think I will do a full podcast on. And you know who actually would be a really amazing guest to have on is Nathan, the guy that kind of forged this path with us and led us um, on this journey because he has just the most amazing words of advice of how to how to instill these values in your kids as young as like three years old, four years old, five years old. Or if you have a child that you're just wanting to start this with that's in college that's showing some like bad patterns or you just don't feel like is living up to their best potential. He he even helps with stuff like that. And I just really think he'd be a great guest. And I would really love to do some more content on this because as I, here I am starting my own squad family, I really want to do something like this with my own family because I don't know who said it, if it was Barbara Bush or if it's Jackie Kennedy, it was one of like those women that was like, if you, if you fail at raising children, then you've like truly failed or something, some kind of quote like that. And that just really hits home to me. And I think that the best thing you can do in your life is like raising children that really leave a legacy and just really, whether they're a teacher, whether they are a rock star, whether they work as a garbage man or a janitor or at the McDonald's or at the local mall. It doesn't matter what your children do, but if they're leaving a legacy that they want to leave and if they're being responsible with the things that they have and being kind to people around them and really making a mark on society, I think that's the greatest thing that you can do, truly. More to come on that, but just to answer that question and kind of talk about that just a little bit in this Q&A because it's a question that I get asked a lot. I just wanted to kind of end on that. And once again, I just want to thank everybody for being so engaged with this content. If you guys weren't asking questions about this and if you guys weren't digging deeper when I talk about something, I don't know if I would feel as juiced every time I come on this microphone and as excited to put this content out in the world. It's because of how you guys receive it, and I greatly appreciate that. So thank you so much for everybody that submitted these questions and that asked me questions over and over. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. It was a little bit different from our typical episodes, but let me know if you liked it. So be sure to, if you have not left a review, it's really amazing and really helpful if you can leave reviews even on specific episodes. So if you liked this episode, leave a review so that I can see that. It's kind of my only way to really tell, like if you guys are liking these types of episodes. So I would love to see that. And my child has just let out a yell. So good thing we're at the end of this podcast (laughs) so I can go and run and get him. So thanks so much for everybody that listened to this podcast and I'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us on Living Fully with Mallory Irvin. And remember to subscribe so you don't miss a single minute of encouragement and inspiration to live your best life. Want more? Join us on MalloryIrvin.com so we can connect with you on Instagram and YouTube. Start living your life now. You've only got one. We'll see you next time.